All right, open your Bible. We're in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're wrapping it up. we got one series left in Ephesians. I'm pretty excited about that series. Um, next week is Mother's Day. Moms are the bomb. You want to be here next week for that. Moms are the bomb. That was, that was a really creative idea by somebody in our team, and I'm really grateful for the talented people in our church. This passage here uh, in front of us I don't think is our favorite passage. I don't think it's a passage we would go to often. It's probably not a passage we're memorizing. <laughs> I've already told you to memorize uh, a few things in, uh, in the last couple weeks, but this isn't probably one of those that I'm like, yeah, you should memorize this. Um, I think it's confusing. Um, bond servants, slaves, uh, we don't really believe in slavery. The Bible doesn't teach for or against slavery. Uh, it doesn't, um, but, it, but it definitely teaches against abuse, right? And uh, most of the time, slavery and abuse are, you know, put together. I believe slavery, honestly, was um, abolished, or for the most part is abolished, because of the influence of Jesus Christ and what he did and what he came to do and how he gently, over time, through Paul and everybody that wrote, said, hey, you know, obey, but... Also, you're free. <laughs> so, it's pretty cool, everything that God has done. Um, I'm going to preach a message on work today, how to be a godly worker. So, the title of the message is How to Be a Godly Worker. Now, when you preach on something, you also want to have some context, right? So, um, I just remember that we did instructions to the church. How many of you guys were here when we did the series, Instructions for the Church? All right, good. That's a good number of you. So, you guys all would have heard, if you were there the week, Brent preached on a theology of work. He preached last August, it was hard work, right? Work hard, be, anybody know? I just watched it yesterday. <laughs> I know. Work hard, be humble, right? And uh, it was a great message from 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 15, if you have a problem with work, that's a great place to go to get a biblical theology of work. We're all called to work. There's a reason, and uh, that's a great place. Now, we're going to be here in Ephesians chapter 6. There's a parallel passage. I'll read that in a second, but let's just dig in at, at verse 5. Bond servants, I'm going to explain that in a second because that's a, it's a tricky one. The word is doulos in the Greek. And it's translated three different ways. I'll explain it in a second. Obey your earthly masters. You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> How about my heavenly master? I want to obey him. Uh, no, it says, I'm just going to read it again. Bond servants, obey, same as to the children. That's interesting. Your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, you want to just kind of highlight that, as you would Christ, due to your earthly master, your boss, or whoever's authority over you, your parents, uh, treat them the way you want to treat Christ, the, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service, I love this, as people pleasers, these are just great phrases, we'll get into that, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. We're going to get to the heart today. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord. Can he say it another time? 
I mean, that's three times already he's like, it's about Jesus. So if you came here today and you didn't get a clue yet, it's about Jesus. You came to a church, it's all about Jesus, right? So even in what he's saying here, it's about Jesus and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, and we're all trying to do something good, this he will receive back from the Lord, there he is again, whether he is a bondservant or is free. So it's, he just leveled the playing field right there. He just is like, you're the same. Bondservant or free, it's all the same. You're like, what? Yeah, he just, he just leveled the playing field. Watch him do it again. Um, he says it again. Masters, do the same. So what should masters do? Okay, thanks for answering, but you're going to have to let somebody else have a chance. All right. I love Stephanie. Right? The masters are supposed to do the same thing that bond servants do. Right? Masters, you do the same thing bond servants do. Everything we just said about bond servants, yep, you're supposed to do that too. He's, he's just leveling the, do the same to them. Stop your threatening. That's great. Another warning. Knowing that he, who is both their master and yours, is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. So he said he, master, and him, but he never said the name. What's the name? Good. Christ. What's the name? Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God Almighty. Jesus is God. We know that God is our master, every one of us. Whether we want to admit it or not, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It will happen. You have a master. You can say you don't. That's fine. But you really do. And this is the cool thing about your master. He's in heaven. He's not on earth. And there's no partiality. There's no favoritism. You've got to let that sink in a little bit. Just get that. Just get that. You don't believe that yet. You might not believe that when you walk out of here today, but it's true. God doesn't like someone else more than he likes you. God didn't like Moses more than he likes you. God doesn't think President Trump is more valuable than Mayor Brady. He doesn't. God doesn't think the person in the prison is more or less valuable than Luke sitting right here. He just doesn't. There's no favorites with God. No partiality. It's all over the scriptures. Here it's just really resounding again. And I want to just say this to you. Everything I say about workers, godly workers today, you've got to filter with this. Because God shows no partiality. That's why. So I'm not going to distinguish between bosses and between employees. I'm not going to distinguish between slaves and masters. I'm not going to be distinguishing between any kind of, it's all godly workers. And why? Because God shows no partiality, no favoritism. God's not looking at you any different than the other, right? Godly workers. Godly workers. So you have bond servants, you have masters. Clearly there's two different positions here, but they're 
They're different, but they have the same priority. What's the priority? To serve Christ. Eyes on the prize, Jesus Christ. Okay, godly workers, here's the first thing. Godly workers, obey your authority. I lost everybody right there. Authority is a dirty word in our culture. Obedience is a hard word to to swallow, but authority is like a dirty word, right? So you're like, I gave you a really hard word. You put your in there just to make it like okay for me. And authority, I just reject that. That's a really tough point to start off on, and I'm already treading water, I can tell. Bondservant is the first word. Slave. That makes everybody a little uncomfortable too. So I did a lot of study on this. The, the clearest place I can go to, and this is this a really interesting place to go in the Bible. It's not inspired, but it is very helpful, and that is the preface. You ever go to your preface in the Bible? Anybody ever go to the preface? This is the first time for me. But I read the footnote at the bottom and I went and read it and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So if you're talking about doulos, okay, here it is. There's a different Hebrew word. I'm not going to get into that because you didn't come for that. But in the Old Testament times, one might enter slavery either voluntarily, as in to escape poverty or to pay off a debt, or involuntarily, as in by birth or being captured in battle or by judicial sentence. Protection for all in servitude in ancient Israel was provided by Mosaic law. Protection's a good thing for slaves because that wasn't available in the Greek world or the Roman world and so they were mistreated. They were treated as a commodity and we don't believe that that's, that's just, fair, right at all. The Mosaic law, it protected them. In New Testament times, a doulos, it says doulos because it's three different things, is often best described as a bondservant. That is, someone bound to serve his master for a specific, usually uh, a lengthy time period. But also as someone who might nevertheless own property. You don't think of a slave owning property, do you? achieving social advancement, and even might be released and purchase his freedom. Now, that's not the way you think of a slave in today's, you know, that's not how we think of sex trade, right? That's not how we think of uh, the slavery, you know, just a few years ago in our country, that there's going to be a way to purchase your freedom. There's going to be, uh, you can own your own property. You can achose, uh, achieve social achievement. So there's a, the reason the Bible is so clear here, let me just say it this way, okay? The ESV, the Bible I'm using, is really clear on how it is delineated, and I'm just going to read it for you. Where absolute ownership by a master is in view, as in Romans 6, slave is used. Where a more limited form of servitude is in view, bondservant is used, like in 1 Corinthians 7 and here in our passage. Okay, And where the t- context is a wide range of freedom, like John 4.51, servant is preferred. Okay, that was just a great seminary lesson, right? But it was really helpful for me. There's three different words in the New Testament called doulos. Don't get them mixed up. This one is bondservant, and it's, a per, it's an employee, 
employee, really, is what it is. It's an employee. And many of us are employees. As a matter of fact, if you're making money, you're an employee of someone, right? And so this relates to us because we can go like slaves, obey your earthly masters. And we're like, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not a slave. I don't have to listen. And again, I've already said abuse is out of the question. God is not for that. The whole slavery deal is out. But all employees, he's talking to you right now, and he says, obey. Continuous, uninterrupted submission to authority. Ephesians 5.21. What does it say? Somebody quote it for me. Awesome. When you guys memorized it. Praise the Lord. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That was how we said this series was going to be framed. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So because we love Jesus Christ, our ministry is not to overthrow the government or the institution we work at, but to preach the gospel to the lost in Jesus' name. Right? And the best way we can do that is by submitting to the authority as much as we can, right? And you say as much as you can, that's really, really like kind of like convoluted. What is that, like 50%? Is that like, what percentage are we talking about? If you just look at a ball here right now, okay, a sphere, okay, right? Put you in the middle, because that's where we like to be. Where should we put God? Let's vote on it. Up here. For sure we'll put him up here. That would be really smart. Maybe he should be in the middle too. Christ in me, the hope of glory. We'll put God here for visual uh, uh, sake. What is it saying? There's something between you and God. It's called authority. Romans 13 is clear. There's an authority there ordained by God. So what should my response be to that authority, especially in this line? God, authority, me. Response to authority is yes. Yes, I'm, yes, whatever you say, yes. Okay, what happens if this is true and the authority's here? What are you thinking? Oh, I think it's maybe no. Yes, yes. What happens if it's over here? What happens? Yes. Still Yes. And there's this little slice at the bottom where it's like, against God. I will not disobey God. Anything else, but not that. I will not disobey God. And that's the slice that's like, no. And if you reserve it for that time and you say it in a loving and a godly manner, you're going to get a lot less pushback. Obey your authority. Um, Obey to submit to one's employer. And to do it well is to serve Jesus Christ. Man, I didn't want to come hear that today. I wanted to hear like, man, your job is tough. It's not cool when your boss tells you to do something hard. You just whip out the Bible and tell them, I don't believe in that. No, we do believe in hard work. We do believe in it. And we believe it's a way to preach the gospel without words to the world. That's what we believe. We believe in hard work. And obeying your authority is where you should start. Uh, we are on an elder retreat, uh, just trying to vet and 
train up elders in our church. That's a good thing. Uh, it's really awesome, and we had a really good time. And we had this discussion, though, as we were talking about the preaching calendar for next year, about authority. It just kind of came up. And the statement was said, like, it's really countercultural to obey authority. Authority is kind of a dirty word, and it's, it's hard. And um, I want to just suggest this to you in light of the ball I drew and everything. It really isn't my job. I just wrote this down. I want to read it verbatim. It really isn't my job to judge authority. It's not my job. God can do that. So I want to suggest to you that we should all lead with the yes at work and not spend so much time scrutinizing the decisions made and the motives behind it all. Forget about the unknown. You don't know. Stop wasting time on it. Well, I think it was that. Well, I think it was that. Why is he telling this? Forget about the unknown. Rather, take that time and energy that you're pouring into the unknown and pour it into your relationship with God, your real master, so that you can easily discern when to lovingly say no for the right reasons with the right heart at the right time. It's a supernatural thing to stand firm on the truth of the gospel. And it's going to take the Holy Spirit if it's going to go well. How do we teach and train people to obey authority? Maybe there needs to be some teaching on that. Maybe next year there will be. I don't know. But let me just give you this. Go read Romans 13. Please write it down. You need it, church. You need to read this, church. You need to understand it because it's the way you're going to share the gospel with others. Because everybody else hates authority. Everybody else doesn't want to be under the president or the mayor or the whatever. Everybody doesn't want that. And if you are like, I'm willing to submit, I'm willing to obey, you're going to stand out. You're going to stand out. And you're going to have an opportunity to tell why and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Romans 13, another reference is 1 Peter 2. You start in verse 13 and just go to the end of the chapter. The gospel's there and everything, but it's just a really great chapter of how we serve Jesus by submitting to authority. Now, let me say this before I roll up on this point. No one, everybody say no one. All right, tell your neighbor again because they didn't hear it. No one should be without authority or accountability. No one, right? And um, I got to tell you, standing where I stand, that's a risky one. You see a lot of people in ministry, when they get outside, when they're a senior pastor, and they're kind, it's kind of like this, right? And they're out at, here at the top, at the top, right? with no authority that they're under other than Jesus Christ, right? And no real accountability. And I'll show you a man who is going to squeeze. Nothing ever happens good there. He's going to get into a moral failure. He's going to start stealing money. He's going to do whatever people do when they have no accountability and no authority in their life. It's not going well, right? It's not going well in the church. How many guys are just blowing out of ministry? 
It's not going well in the work world. Company after company, this theft, that theft. I just want to say that I understand obeying authority is important, but also when somebody's not under authority and doesn't have an accountability, it's not going to go well. All right? So that's just another argument for why we should obey our authority. Okay, the second thing, work with integrity. You're like, that's a contrite phrase. Work with integrity. (laughs) Couldn't you come up with something better? Yeah, work with sincerity. Is that easier? No, but that's the word in the Bible. (laughs) Work with sincerity. So look at it there. Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, that's respect, with a sincere heart. That's where I'm getting this. As you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ. So, work with integrity. Integrity, sincerity, it's generosity. It's open the door, really. It's purity, purity of motive. It's singleness of devotion. You know what it is? Write this down on your paper. This would be really good. It's consistency. How consistent are you at your work? Good day, bad day. Good day, bad day. Good day, bad day. Nobody wants to be your boss anymore. Right? They want you to be like this. They want you to be like this, but not like this. That's hard for guys with personalities like me. It just is, right? I'm up, I'm down, I'm all around. Like, it's hard. But consistency, right? And integrity and consistency go hand in hand. So here, he has a warning here. Do you see it? Verse 6, not by way of eye services, people pleasers. He has a warning. Don't work only when the boss is watching, right? Matt, at Chick-fil-A, if you're work- you probably have some workers that do this and Eventually, truth and time go hand in hand. They'll get fired. But as you, you know, run the business there, you don't want somebody that's just like, oh, look, I'm working, I'm working. And then you turn around and he's like, you know, this is awesome. I get paid the same amount. Like, it's just foolish. But our world is based on that. It's based on, can I check my Facebook? Right now on work time. It's, it's crazy. And then people pleasing, right? It's really trying to impress people without really being impressive, you know, at all. It's like, look at my best side, not the other 90% where I don't care what, what you think, right? People pleasers are working extra hard when someone is watching, right? That's what it is. There's this thing called time theft. Have you ever, Brent, I didn't even know about it, and Brent mentioned because I don't steal time very often, if at all. Um, I don't want to lie, but I don't think I do this. Um, so Brent mentioned this in his message, so I just looked it up online. I'm like, time theft? Where are you, you come up winging stuff out on the pulpit? I don't even know if that's true. It's a it's a real thing. Look at this little guy with robber, you know, black stuff and holding the clock. It's a real thing. Um, just saying, it's, it's a real thing. Time theft at work occurs when an employee accepts pay from their employer for work that they have not actually done or for time that they have not actually put into their work. Since the employee is not actually doing the necessary amount of work during their shift, it is considered a theft of time from the company. Wow, that will hit you like a brick. 
At 43, I'm better at that than I was at 21 as a, senior, uh, as a pastor in a church, a youth pastor. That's for sure. So let's give each other grace in that. But let's know when sinning, we're sinning. Right? And uh, we want to progress towards a 40-hour work week. Right? Or I say 40, but whatever your employer pays you for, work week, where you are like fully devoted you get paid for what you do, not for what you don't do. And let's work with integrity. We should work hard. We should work smart for the time we get paid for. And when you do that, watch God bless you. Watch God bless the results of that. Just watch him. Number one, you're going to get to go home and be with your kids. Don't overwork. Knock it off. Right? Have a more productive work day so you don't have to overwork. Husbands, I'm saying, get home to your family. Man, I'm so guilty of that. I was putting my daughter to bed. I stopped preparing the message. I just felt like the Spirit was telling me, like, go, you haven't seen her enough, right? Go put your daughter to bed. So I'm just laying in bed. She, she pulled this on me. There's a line, there's a bubble here. Like, she's getting older. She's like, feels like 19 now, but like it's, she's like eight or something. And it, it's like, there's a line here. You're in my bubble. You're in my space. I'm like, hug me, right? And, and it's so funny, right? She's growing up. But, but she said to me, it just like a knife to the heart, right? When your kids say something to you, I haven't seen you enough. Are you going to be around tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, right after I get done preaching, we're just going to have fun all day. She's like, the last three Saturdays, this is where it's like, twist. Uh, I'm going to be okay. You know, the last three Saturdays, you've had this and this, and she's quoting them. I'm like, that was three weeks ago. I don't even remember what I was doing. It's a real thing, dads. It's a real thing, moms. Your kids want to be with you. Don't overwork. Just work with integrity. And then go home and work with integrity at home. So don't overwork, but also don't underwork, right? Don't try to get by with as little as possible and still pull a paycheck that will provide for your family. Don't, don't underwork. So these are both, uh, don't, don't neglect the rest you need and the family you have, and don't, don't sin um, and be a poor testimony with your laziness. All right, this third thing, serve wholeheartedly. Serve wholeheartedly. And now we're getting to a slave term, servant term. You're like, eh, I don't like it. But you know what? It's the words the Bible is using. And we're supposed to do it with all our heart. I think in the church, we should be serving. We often say work for Christ in the church. Use your gifts, use your abilities. Do good works. That God ordained before, you know, Ephesians 2.10. After you get saved, he has works planned out for you. You see it there. Doing the will of God, right there in the middle of verse 6. Doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service. That's the word. Rendering service. It's the same word as bondservant. It's doulos. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. 
A good will. So there's a parallel passage. I didn't put it up there. I want to put it up for you now. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Let me read it for you. It's on the screen. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Is it sounding familiar? He might have wrote it from the same prison at the same time with the same guy carrying the message to the two churches. Just saying. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord... Whatever you do, work heartily, there it is, as to the Lord and not for men. That word there, work heartily, is the do good will right here. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Just write that down in your notes. Just write that down. Because that's not in our passage, but that's like the summary. When you go to work, you are serving the Lord Christ. Okay, strap up for work today. I'm serving Jesus. That, that, I mean, that's just going to change everything for you. That was worth it, right there. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. No more time theft. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. His name is Jesus, right? All right. Work. Serve is the word that I'm using. Serve, because that's what it says. Render service. Serve wholeheartedly. This word wholeheartedly or doing the will of God from a, the heart with a good will, it means zeal, enthusiasm, and energy, right? I'm eager to go to work. Are you eager to go to work? Or you're like, gotta go to work, gotta pay the bills. Why do people work? Have you ever asked yourself that? I mean, seriously. Because in, in Thessalonians, like, people weren't working because they were like, Jesus is coming back. I don't need to work. And they were just like asking the church for money. That was the problem. That was the passage. That's why he was saying work hard. Right? So why do people go to work? I don't know. I thought about it. I asked the elders what they thought. They gave me a bunch of stuff. I boiled it down. Pastors like to alliterate. So it's all P's, okay? Five P's. This is why people like to go to work. Here they are. Pride. I mean, I take pride in my work. I want to get recognized and be respected. I want to have significance. So I go to work because I'm a proud person, right? I do it for pride. I want to be the best worker in, my, in our organization. Two, purpose. It's the purpose of my life. It's what God designed me to do. In my heart, I feel it. My identity's wrapped up into it. What am I doing with myself, with my life? There's a purpose. Three, productivity. It's an opportunity to use my gifts and to be creative. And I want to be creative. I want to be productive. I want to create something. It's not here. It's here. Look at this card. It wasn't here. And now it is. I feel so productive. And then this, provision. Provision, right? I got it. I need money. I got a wife, kids. I got a house. Praise the Lord. Counting my blessings. But I also have the bills rolling in. And I got to work to provide, to care for my family, to lead them well. And this last one, y'all not going to get, but it's true of me. Pleasure. I work for pleasure. I think working is so much fun. 
I don't know what my mom and dad did to me to get me to feel that way, but I think working is the best thing God ever made. Let's work. I enjoy it. You're like, you're weird. I know. People have told me. But let's do it. You want to have a work day this, this Saturday? No, can't. Kara's got a day, okay? Stop. <laughs> but that's the problem, right? Like, let's go clean Kellogg this Saturday. It's awesome. I love to work. Some people do it for pleasure, and they enjoy the teamwork and the belonging and the community of it. That's why people work. We're not talking about why. We're talking about how, right? So how is we serve with all our heart. You have one goal. To serve the authority you're under as an expression of your commitment to Jesus Christ as your divine authority. That's your expression. That's how you're going to show them who Jesus is. How's that going for you? Are people like, wow, you're different. How's that going? How's that expression going? Does your boss know that you're all in? Would your boss, if I talked to him today, would your boss be like, dude, Ryan, he's all in, man. Like that guy, he knows the company mission. He knows what it's, you know, He's an awesome worker because God is awesome in him. I pray that that would be true of the people at Harvest because we won't be able to have enough seats if it is. This place will be full and overflowing. Well, it's getting there, but even more so. Hey, good job, church. You must be working hard. Serve wholeheartedly. There's a passage I want to turn to. I'm, I'm hesitating to do it because of time, but just write it down quick. If I get back to it, I will. Uh, Titus chapter 2, 9 through 15. Titus chapter 2, 9 through 15. So Paul wrote that at the same time he wrote Ephesians and Colossians. And he wrote Philemon at the same time as that. So all four of these were like, here. All written at the same time. They all mention workers, right? Philemon is written to a master of a slave who ran away and didn't act like a Christian. Why? Because they weren't. And then they got saved in jail in Rome. And when Paul found out, hold on, you're his slave? I know him. You need to go back. He wrote this letter, right, about forgiveness to Philemon to say, you need to forgive Onesimus for what he's done to you. And put it all on the account of Christ. And if you can't do that, put it on my account. I'll pay it all. That's love. But that's Christ. Why would Paul do that? Why would he do that? Because he saw Jesus Christ face to face on the road to Damascus and it changed him. He was like all in. And people know when you're not all in. You know that, right? They can read it. They can see it. They're like, they're not all in. We got to be all in. We got to serve wholeheartedly. And so, um, could I just could I step on some toes just for a second? Like, I was watching this message that Brent preached yesterday. I was watching it, and I was like, wow, that was so clear. We use our gifts in the church, and, you know, it's the theology of work, and work outside of church, but you work inside of church. And I wonder if that really affected people. I thought to myself, I should ask them. And I was like, 
maybe I shouldn't. And so, lovingly, as your pastor, eight months ago, Brent preached a message on working for Christ. That was one of the applications. Has it changed your life? Amen, Matt. Did it just go in one year and out the other? Or were you like, dude, I'm in, let's go. You got another chance today, right? You got a restart. You got a relationship restart. Your relationship with the church and working in the church and serving in the church could hit a restart today through like, yeah, I need to do that. I need to, God's given me gifts. I love him. I, I want to be all in. Let's go. And I just, I just think it'd be fabulous if God would use this message or Brent's message, if you go listen to it online, um, to get your heart to that spot of just obedience to him. It's a good thing. All right, why? Okay, so obey your authority, work with integrity, serve wholeheartedly. I'm all in. Why? Godly workers focus on eternity. It's not about the next five minutes. It's not about the last decision my boss made. It's about eternity. If I don't like what my boss just said, how I respond to it might affect eternity. How I respond is affecting eternity. So we got to stay focused on eternity. We got to stop this little jockeying and politics in our office and, and think about eternity and how God wants everyone in the room, everybody including my boss, everybody including my employees, to be saved and to live with him forever. We got to think about that as we're interacting. So the word here is rewards, right? Uh, look at it, verse 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does this he will receive back? You mean if I'm a good employee? There's something over here for me? Yeah, it's just not something. It's like eternal rewards something. It's amazing. Wish I had time to go over all the crowns that are available to you. There's five of them. It's just amazing. This he will receive back from the Lord. Who cares if your boss gives you a raise? Oh, I care. That's what you were thinking, because I was too. We care to some degree. We want to know that we did a good job and that they you know, see that we're more valuable than what we're getting and that they give us more. That's great. But take the blinders off. Put the eternal goggles on. It's really not about here. It's not about a bigger house or a boat or a church building for that matter. It's about eternity. That's it. That's all. It's like a breath. And then it's gone. And then what? We go to dust. No. We're spirit. We're spirit. And our spirit will live forever. Where? With who? And what will the rewards be? If any. Focus on eternity God-given rewards will be according to your attitude and actions on this earth. Does that scare you? Or does that excite you? 
That's the question, right? If that's like, oh, then we need to restart today. And if that makes you like, come on, come back, Jesus, let's go, then good. I'm sure you have a few things to work on. Just take it on a second, okay, a notch, right? Like, get over it. <laughs> but it's okay to be happy about seeing Jesus because he is going to reward us for the things that we're trying to do for him, and we're grateful about it. All right, he does give you one warning here. Just, I got to say it, masters, do the same to them. Okay, everything that I said, obey your authority, work with integrity, serve wholeheartedly, focus on eternity. Everything I said, yes, applies to both. Everybody in the audience is listening. He gives a warning to masters. Do the same to them and stop your threatening. Don't browbeat, don't threaten, don't be cruel, don't crack the whip. That's not good. Now, remember the context? These are all believers, right? There's other places like uh, 1 Timothy 2 where he's going to talk about even if your uh, employee, employer isn't a believer, you got to treat them the right way. But here he's talking to just believers in the church. So if you're a bondservant, believer, come on. If you're an owner, come on. He's talking to believers, Another phrase you, uh, again, I would love to get to all these, but Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28, is another great passage to go to where, where Jesus basically says it. He's like, if you're a master, if you, how many of you guys have employees? Just one employee, okay? You have an employee that answers to you? Go ahead, come on now. I'm talking to you right now, leader. Leader. Come on, man, leader. Come on. Let's go, all right? So if you have employees, right, he's talking to you, right? All right, now, don't beat them up. Don't beat them up. Love them, right? Love them. And make them better. Right? Try to, like, grow them in what they're doing. And, he, you know, he says this in Matthew. He's like, servant leadership. You know what? The world lords it over. But we're a different kind of people, Right? If we're Christian bosses, we're a different kind of people. We're not lording it over them. Do it because I said. We're like, hey, how can I serve you? How can I wash your feet? How can I make you better? How can I use your gifts for our kingdom or for this business? All of this because God shows no partiality. I want to throw that back on the screen. You've got to know this. God shows no partiality. God will reward every faithful servant equally or equal to their goodness, I would say. Equally. Equal to what you've done. He's fair. You think, how is this even possible? How's it possible for God to do that? 1 Samuel chapter 16 tells us how it's possible. Okay? 1 Samuel chapter 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at performance. Man looks at the appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. Now, we know from the intents of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I think there is going to be some actions that tie to the heart. But God is judging on the heart. And so can I just close with this? How's your heart? 
Are you like, man, I'm so glad we got to study working today. Or are you like, man, that's a hard message. I wish you'd be done by already. Like, I'm just, I'm just ready to go back to work or something. Just bide my time, you know, do a more theft, get on the phone or something. How's your heart? Because that's really the important thing, right? So we're wrapping up our series, Relationship Restart. We're wrapping it up right now, today. It's done. It's a wrap. As you look back through the Bible, I want you to think about all the times it said, as to the Lord. Do this as to the Lord. Do this as to the Lord. Do this as to the Lord. Husbands, wives, right? Parents, children, workers, whether boss or employee. He says, as to the Lord. And I got to come back to the way I started the series on Easter and just say, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, what we've just spent six weeks talking about is not attainable to you. Don't be frustrated by that. Again, I'm not saying that in any proud way. I'm just, I'm just being real. Like, Don't be frustrated by the fact that you, you can't really grasp the concepts we're trying to say because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't do it, right? None of us can do this apart from the Holy Spirit. There's no way I'm going to be a good boss this week if, if God doesn't show up. There's no way any of our employees at the church are going to be good employees if God doesn't show up. There's no way. And so we need him, right? We need him. So let's ask him for his help. Let's stand. Maybe just in the quietness of your own heart, you would uh, get to the point where you would be like, hey, how do I need to restart? Or maybe it's like, hey, what are the restarts that I've already committed to during this series? I've committed to restarting with my husband. I've committed to restarting with my wife. I've committed to restarting with my kids. And I want to keep that commitment. And so would you just take this time to really seal the decisions you've made already and maybe the decisions you need to make today on your heart? Would you take some time right now as we walk out of this series to say, yep, that was the restart. That was where we hit the easy button. That was where we went back to it again. And as we sing this song, this is just such a fitting song. Christ is enough right? Jesus Christ is enough. For whatever restart you decided to make, whether today or this series, Jesus Christ is enough. You need him. So let that sink in as we sing it. Let me pray quick. Father God, would you use this song in our lives when we want to come off of this restart moment, when we want to come off of this relationship, whichever one we're having trouble with, would you use this restart moment to stoke the flame, to put another log on the fire of doing what's right and as unto the Lord because Jesus Christ is amazing and the Holy Spirit's alive and we're grateful that you're working. God, we want to stay committed and want to do it for your honor and glory.